Well, good morning. Everybody good this morning? Good as you can be? I am going to turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Luke. Um, Luke chapter 7. I'm going to do something I've never done. Ask you to do something I've never asked you to do before. But I'm going to do it right now. As I was back there thinking, he was talking about Jesus and, and the help and all the help that's there. Um, there there's a lot, of, a lot of people hurting this morning. There's a lot of people going through some stuff this morning. Um, a lot of trials. And a lot of them right now may be about to miss something that, that may can help them. So, I've never told you to take your phone out in the church and text anybody. The same on live stream. Which one of these cameras? That one over there. If you, uh, if you got anybody that's struggling right now, and it doesn't matter what they're struggling with, going through a hard time, walking through a valley, and you think they may not be tuned in right now, Go ahead out there on live stream. Go ahead and send a text or go ahead and send a link to faithgrange.com and tell them they may want to tune in. They can turn off any time they want to. If it ain't helping them none, that's all well and good. If you're right here this morning and you know somebody that can't be here this morning, you know somebody that's down in a valley and they need some help, you want to take your phone out and text them and tell them they may want to tune in. We're going to look at something this morning. I um. Let's just go ahead and read the text if you're there in your place. Luke chapter 7. We'll begin reading in verse number 11. The Bible says here that it came to pass the day after. So Jesus has just done a, a great miracle. And now here we are on the next day. It came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And the Bible says that many of his disciples went with him and much people that's important that means there's a large crowd of people walking with Jesus there's a large group as they're coming into the city called Nain but it says when it came nigh unto the gate of the city so that's another check mark there at the gate of the city behold there was a dead man carried out the only son of his mother and she was a widow and the Bible says that there was much people of the city was with her so I see another loud, large group of people that are traveling with this woman on the way to bury her son. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said unto her, weep not. He came and touched the bier, which would be a coffin or, or a bed of a sort. And it says, they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up. And began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. Thank you. You guys can be seated. I wrote a message about, I don't really know, man, and some, somewhere in the early midst of that COVID before I got so out, I really couldn't. It's been six, maybe seven weeks. I, I don't know, but I've yet to preach it. Um, the notes to it are still in my computer. And... I thought I'd preach it the first week back, but the Lord really impressed on my heart to, to tell our story of what we did with COVID and 
I'll be honest, I struggled a lot with that. I thought, man, people want to hear what you went through, but I, I was wrong. Um, that may not have meant nothing to some of you, but it meant a lot to a lot of you. I've gotten a ton of text um, because so many people are dealing with so much right now and, and struggling. And so a lot of you have texted, and a lot of even from people not from church. So I, I see I'm, I'm always grateful on the backside. Sometimes I'm nervous going in. If God doesn't show me why I'm preaching what I'm preaching, I just believe I'm preaching what I'm supposed to be preaching. But, but on the backside, sometimes you see it. Last week I thought I'd preach that message and... Um, Lord had a different, a different way when I began studying. So naturally this week, week three, right, I'll be preaching it this week. I mean, I've had it for several weeks now. But as I was looking at some stuff in my computer, I was pulling up some notes, and sometimes the computer makes comparable to things, and it pulled some stuff up from a message that I preached in 2017. I know that I had labeled those notes and put part of a message, 2017, put it there. And to me, to look back over notes like that would be called re-preach. You've heard me say a lot of times, and when I get home, I take those notes, I throw them in the trash. I figure if the Lord ever wants me to, to preach a message again. Father, I just pray right now, God, whatever that life lights doing, would you intervene, God? So many people are hurting. So many people are going through so much. And God, every time I hear sirens and every time I hear those life lights, I know somebody's life's in a changing process. So God, whoever that is, I pray you'd be with the ones on the helicopter. I pray you'd help them be a blessing to somebody. I pray you'd use them. And God, whoever it is they're going to help, I pray you'd touch them and touch the families involved. In Jesus' name. So I was studying the notes and... I felt like the Lord impressed on me that that's where you need to be. You study those again and you rewrite the message. So I, I did. That was on that was some Wednesday and Thursday and even a little bit into Friday. And I'll be honest, I didn't need any confirmation on, <laughs> on what the Lord gave me to do. I, I really didn't, but the Lord gave me confirmation anyway. Friday, I was given the incredible honor to do the funeral services for Mr. Al. Mr. Al has been a member of this church for many, many years. As a matter of fact, first time they joined, um, was well, the church is only two years old. And I'm an incredible man of God, an incredible family, I guess, probably the only Pearl Harbor survivor I've ever known. It was a great opportunity, to have a great, great honor that the family would, would give you that opportunity. On Saturday morning, um, another dear saint, Mr. Herschel and Miss Shirley. I want to ask you to pray for Miss Shirley. They put her on the vent two days ago. She's still dealing with kidney failure, and she really doesn't have a good picture. So you continue to pray for Miss Shirley. She does know about Mr. Herschel. She knows that, that he has passed away. Um, she found that out the day before being put on a vent. So I want you to ask, pray for Miss Shirley's family as well. <coughs> but Mr. Herschel, Miss Shirley. Some incredible saints, man, dear, dear people, sweet, sweet heart. So that family also gave me the honor of having the opportunity to do that, that funeral service yesterday. I, also, I, I know I tell you I don't believe in coincidences, and I really don't, but maybe a little bit coincidental. The two gravesides were at the same cemetery. 
Matter of fact, those two grave sites are probably not even as far apart as the two walls of this building. They're, they're almost together. They're in the same cemetery. And <clears throat> after Mr. Herschel's service yesterday, I walked over to Mr. Al's grave site there, and it's just a mound of dirt. And just reflected a little bit and prayed for his family and what they'd be going through and walked back down to my truck. And, and I headed up. It's that one out on 27 out close to Rosemont. I'm headed up that road to the left side. And the far left, the left-hand side, that's the new part of the cemetery. The graves aren't, but just a few deep. There's not a lot, and the rest of it's filled. And I happened to notice something as I was going out. As I was, was looking up towards Mr. Owl's <clears throat> plot there where he was, I began to notice the mounds of dirt. Mounds of dirt means they just had the funeral. They, they haven't come in. All they've done is, is completed sealing the coffin and mounded up the dirt. They've not had time to come back and level it yet and put tops on it and fix it. That means that they, that funeral has, has happened just in the past few days. Those funerals happened this week. And I was riding just on that one strip on that one road out. There were 14 mounds of dirt. I thought, Lord, 14, just, just right here, just on this one road, on this one part of this one cemetery. I didn't notice until I got back home. I was thinking about I was telling Robin about it. And something else dawned on me. You know when they put those tents up for a funeral? They don't put those up three days before and leave them up three days after. They put those up for the funeral, they take them back down. They're either put up the night before or the morning of. And as soon as the family leaves, the tent's taken down because they have to get the equipment in there to fill it up. So those tents aren't left up for an extended period of time. You see a tent up, that means there's going to be a funeral there today. It didn't dawn on me until after I got home and thought back. There were five tents up at that funeral home to go along with the 14 mounds of dirt as i was leaving the cemetery and turned out on the 27 i had to pull over and stop because as i was leaving one funeral another one was turning in i don't have any doubt whatsoever as to why god had me write this message and i pray to be a blessing to somebody today somebody that's down in a valley somebody that needs some help somebody that needs some hope somebody that needs some strength. Does God have me write a message? He's the God of the valley. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. Thank you for your long suffering and your patience, God, when we don't see you doing things our way. We get so sideways and bent out of shape and God, I'm not the only one in here that when things aren't going our way and we don't feel like we're getting what, what we want and we're not getting what we ask for, we even get angry with you. God, we don't mean to, Father. You understand our frailties and our weaknesses. I have no doubt this morning, right now, God, there's, there's some that, that are there. There's some that are angry with you right now, God, and whether we're right or wrong in it doesn't change the fact that's where they are, Lord, and they, they need your help. Thank you for your long-suffering. Thank you for grace that makes no sense. Thank you for mercy that we truly can't measure. 
God, I pray for those that are hurting today. I pray for the families that have lost loved ones. God, I, Lord, I pray that you'd reach down and do something special, God. I pray you'd heal some broken hearts. You'd mend some broken spirits. I pray that your grace would be sufficient for you reach down and lift up some, some families. God, we just want to tell you thank you for being so good. Thank you that we can come to you at all times and all situations and know that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you, if you would, to... Some of you that, that have family members in the hospital right now, May, may find this one difficult. I'm going to ask you to pray earnestly for all the doctors and for all the nurses. I understand with family members out there, we understand having a family member out there that you can't go see them. A lot of times you call and you can't get the information you want right when you want it. You call to a nurse's station on that floor. You call to ICU and you can't get what you want. But we need to understand those guys are swamped. They are flooded. One, one hospital we were talking about this morning had, I think it was 25 beds in the hallway of the ER. All COVID positive, but they had no rooms. 25 people in the hallway. Nurses are understaffed. Hospitals are understaffed. They, they are flooded to the gills. And to be honest, what, what, they're, what they're going through may not be your fault, but it ain't their fault either. They, they have a heart to help people. That's why they're in the field that they're in. God has given them a desire to help people. and they, They've invested their lives in school and all the things that they've done to be able to help people. And to be honest, it's not their fault that you can't come in and see them. So when you take all your frustrations out on them, if they could change it, they would. But those of you who have people that work in the medical field, you know they come home in tears. You know, they come home brokenhearted. Um, Katie's last day of work, they lost five people in ICU that day. That's hard to wear. So I want you to pray for doctors right now. They got their hands full. Because you understand cancer hasn't gone away, right? Heart condition hasn't gone away. Kidney stones. Um, Angela Hammond right now was at the hospital last night. Kidney stones. Miss B. Littlefield, procedure this week, kidney stones. Mr. Jim and his... Uh, is deal with, with passing out and dizziness. and th Those things haven't gone away. Heart conditions haven't gone away. Gallbladder, needing surgery, those things haven't gone away. Gallstones, the pain, all that stuff, all, all that stuff still exists. COVID has just come in and dumped on top of all that. So you, you understand why we need to be praying for them, don't you? I, I would ask you to add them. Matter of fact, Brother Larry, I know you're over next door. I want you to add them to our prayer list, Miss Sylvia, and put them on there as a reminder. When you pull up faithforgrange.com, go to resources, go to the prayer list. You see them on there. I want you praying for those folks because they need your prayers. They're dealing with some tough situations. Here in our text this morning, verse number 13, Jesus told the woman, he said, weep not. The word weep here comes from the Greek word. It means to wail aloud. So this woman doesn't have the sniffles. This woman doesn't have just her head in her hand. She's not just, just crying and trying to go unnoticed. This woman is wailing out loud. Her heart is broken. Her only son is dead. She is in the middle of the funeral. She's headed out 
to the graveside to take his body to its final resting place. She has every reason to be crying, and Jesus knows that. He didn't tell this woman, you have no reason to be crying. What he said means, you can stop crying now because the master of the storm is here. It means you can stop crying now because the giver of life is here. You can stop crying now because somebody's going to need to hear it. Because the healer is here. If you study this passage out, what he's saying is you can stop crying now and you're not going to have to cry anymore because I'm about to change your situation. I'm about to take your weeping and turn your weeping into rejoicing. From the text here, we can see this isn't a small boy. He doesn't say young lad. This is a young adult. The Bible says it is on a beer. By definition, a beer is an item that is used to transport a body to a grave site. It could be a bed like we used to carry lame people on, on the Easter play, or they carried lame people on, on that day. It can be a coffin. It can even be an urn. That would be considered a beer. It's anything that is used to transport people, and they used them here to carry the body outside the city. You notice that this intersection happened at the gate. In the day, it was a custom of the Jews that only kings and royalty can be buried inside the city walls, inside the city itself. So everyone else has to be carried outside the city. Our text says here in verse 12 that this was a dead man. So we see we're dealing with an adult. Jesus calls him a young man. It doesn't give us his age, but it lets us see that it's not just a small boy. This, this is a man that is old enough to work and support his mom. The fact that, that he is a young man tells us that something tragic has happened. He didn't die of, of age, he, it, that he wasn't old. He was a young man. So there had to have been some tragic event that all of a sudden took this only son away from the mom. In the Word of God, the number three always represents the resurrection. We see Jesus at three funerals. The first time Jesus, we find him dealing with a, with a dead child is in the case of Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. We do it in the Easter play where Jairus comes to Jesus and he says, Master, my daughter is sick unto death. And he asked him to come into his house. And if you remember that story, that's the one Jesus is headed to Jairus' house. And the woman with the issue of blood of 12 years touches the hem of his garment and made whole. See, I, I believe that's a, that's a twofold purpose. God does everything in perfect timing. Everything in your life, everything in your situation, everything in your storm, everything in your trial, everything and everything that has you pulled down right now, God has it in perfect timing. It didn't get there a day too early. It didn't get there a day too late. God does everything in perfect timing. I believe the perfect timing of that woman touching the hem of the garment because Jairus' daughter was not dead yet. And it caused this, this stop, this talk, where, where Jesus has a dialogue with the woman of the of issue of blood, and he talks to her, and she's healed. And he says, only have faith and believe. Can you imagine being Jairus? Your daughter's at the point of death when you came to get Jesus. This is where some of us are. We're, we're at this place right here. We need Jesus to come right now. 
I don't need you in the morning. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't leave me by myself. You ever been where I need you right now, Lord? We're not talking about tomorrow. I don't need you to come tonight. I need you right now. And I imagine that's Jairus is probably thinking, I need you right now, Lord. I know that woman spent all of her money. I know she's been sick for 12 years. I know the whole community knows that she's unclean about her blood. I know all that. But my daughter is going to die. You can heal that anytime. Y'all can talk about that later. She can come worship you after touch my daughter. Can you imagine the situation Jairus is in? I need you to come right now. But Jesus takes care of that first. You see, I believe that has a purpose to give that, that little girl time to die. The Bible says that when Jesus got there and he went in, that they were wailing aloud. They were weeping. They were heartbroken. The little girl was dead. What did Jesus tell them? She's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they all laughed him to scorn. They, they all made fun of him. Here's what he did. He put all them out. He put out all of the doubters. He put out all of the naysayers. He put out all of the non-believers. He said, you can take all that and get it out. And he walked over to the little girl and he said a couple words to her. This simply means, young maid, arise. And he took the little girl alive and he brought her back out and gave her to her family. The other time we find Jesus dealing with the dead was when Martha and Mary sent word that Lazarus is sick. We need you to come when? Right now. Lazarus is sick unto death. I don't need you to come tomorrow. I don't need you to show up. In an, I need you to come right now. But we know from the text that Jesus on purpose delayed. When he got there, he was how many days late? Four. There's a reason he's four days late. Jewish custom believed that up to three days you could rise from the dead. It could be a breathing issue in their custom they believed that up to three days they might come back. But after the third day, all hope is lost. After the third day, there's no way they're coming out of that grave till Jesus walked up and said, I am the resurrection and the life. Believest thou this? So we see that he wasn't late when he got to Jairus' house. <laughs> he wasn't late when he got to the tomb of Lazarus and he wasn't late when he showed up here and met this woman and he won't be late in yours he's going to be right on time here in the text we see that this woman is a widow we see that her husband is dead, and this man, this young man, is her only son is, is now also dead. The Bible doesn't talk of any other family members. It doesn't talk about any others in there. The, the Bible says that, that these two are dead, so she has no means of support. In that day, the women were taken care of. It was the men that did the support, so she has nobody to take care of her. The Bible says here that, that they're at the city of Nain. The city of Nain was up on a hill. The cemetery, the cemetery where they're going is about eight miles away down in a valley. So the city is on a hill, but in order to leave the city, 
they have to go down the hill and go through the gate. The Bible talks about that gate there. The gate that they're talking about is down at the bottom of the hill. And down in the bottom, when she got down to the low place, is where she met Jesus. See, in order to get from, from the city to the cemetery, she has to go down through that gate. So she's left the city. She's left the high place, and, and she has come down to the low place. But when she got down to the low place, that's where she met Jesus. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of us there this morning that can relate to this woman's position. I'm pretty sure between us here and those on live stream, there's at least a few of us that met Jesus when we weren't in a high place. Everybody didn't get saved in church. Some people met Jesus when you're in one of the lowest places of your life. Some people thought you didn't need Jesus. Some people thought, oh, I'd get saved anytime. Some, some people thought you had no reason to hear that or listen to that. But it was in one of the lowest places of your life where you met Jesus. Some people didn't have the, I want to say the luxury of growing up in church. Some people grew up with all kinds of different family problems, different issues. Some people grew up with drug problems. I grew up with a drug problem. It was just different. I was drugged to church. A lot of you had that kind of drug problem. Moms and dads that just wouldn't take no for an answer, and they just, they just drug you to church. Can, can I just time out right there and say thank you to moms and dads that still do that? Thank you to moms and dads that still, if you have to drag your children to church, drag them. Don't take no for an answer. Can I just throw in a bone for a straight all real quick and say, yo, if your children runs a house, you got a messed up situation. Mom and dad, step up and be Christians. Drag your children. If that's what it takes, don't stop dragging them. But you keep them in the house of God. Train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. That doesn't guarantee a salvation but it guarantees he won't never forget what you taught him. Guarantees they'll be there. So, so thank you, moms and dads, that just keep on pulling your children to church, bringing them in here right now. I realize we don't have treehouse. We don't have nursery. I don't care. Bring them to church. It was good enough for us. Bring them in and set them in. Just, just keep on dragging and just keep on praying. Well, that's all free. This woman is, is down at the city gate. She meets Jesus. She, she is in serious distress her husband we know is already dead and, and now her only son is dead and we, we know there's no social security in that day there there's no such thing like like life insurance policies there's no death benefit policies there's nothing in place like welfare or food stamps there's nothing in place in that day at that time to take care of the poor so this woman is in a low place she, she has no means of support, and she's on her way to bury her son. It seems like everything at that moment is in utter distress. Anybody able to relate? You ever had a moment in your life that it seemed like everything was upside down? It seemed like everything was pulling against you in every direction. It seemed like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And you're thinking, Lord, I know you said that you'll not give me more than I can take, but I'm right now I'm having a hard time believing that. 
I can't take another straw on the camel's back. It'll break. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That, that's where this woman is at. She is fully distressed. She is distressed emotionally. She is in complete stress physically and, and, and psychologically. She is stressed financially. She is at one of the lowest, probably the lowest point in her life. But that's when Jesus shows up. Here in our text, we read that this woman, when she meets Jesus, I specifically pointed out, I wanted you to see that there are two large crowds. One crowd's following the woman. One crowd's following Jesus. One crowd is weeping and mourning. That's the crowd that's following the woman. And the other crowd is following Jesus. But the crowd that's following the woman and the crowd that's following Jesus, they intersect. They meet at this gate, which is down at the bottom of the hill, which is the entrance to the city. So one of the things that's important to point out about both of these crowds, they're both following a son. At the center of attention in both crowds is a son. One son is alive, but he's on his way to die for you and I. The other son is dead. But he's about to meet the resurrection. So not only do we have these, these two crowds and we have these, these two sons, but there's two enemies that converge at this gate, life and death. Death is following the woman, and life is following Jesus. Anytime that there's an intersection, and two people get to the intersection at the same time, something, someone is going to have to yield the right of way. Here's what we see. Anytime Jesus Christ is present, death has to yield right of way. Anytime Jesus Christ is on the scene, the way, the truth, and the life has full right of way. So we have these two crowds, and they're both headed to two cities. One of them is following this woman. They're headed down to the city of the dead. They're headed down to the, the graveyard, the place of silence, but the other one is following Jesus. Because you're following Jesus, because they're following Jesus, they're on their way up to a city not made with hands, whose builder and maker is God. We have a promise way beyond what we're dealing with here in this life. We have a city that we're headed for. We have a home. We have a promise that is far greater than any of the deep things that we deal with in this life. Anybody say amen. If you can hear my voice this morning, no matter how you're listening, if you can hear my voice, you are in one of these two crowds. You're, in, you're following one of these two ways, and you're headed to one of these two cities. Well, there's a lot of intersections in life, amen? There, there's a lot of decisions, a lot of, a lot of times we come to crossroads, and every one of us who are Christians one day came to an intersection, and on that day we chose to follow Jesus Christ. Thank God for good decisions. Anybody thankful for your choice? Best choices we ever made. But if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior... You're at an intersection right now, and your eternity is at stake. If you do not know Jesus Christ, then you're following death and you're on your way to hell. There, there's no other way to put that. There's only two cities. There's life and death. 
that, that there's heaven and hell. And if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're lost and on your way to hell. But Jesus is the one that can change all that. Jesus is the one that told us, he made us the promise, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. What did he tell us? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. In order to get to that city, you got to be in the right crowd. In order to get to that city, you got to be following the right one. There, there's a crowd that is headed to hell that is following the son of perdition. There's a crowd that is heaven, headed to heaven that is following the son of God. Biggest question for you is which crowd are you in? Look here with me at the text, if you would. The, the Bible says that this woman's down in a low place. Jesus saw her. It says that when he saw her down in the low place, that he had compassion on her. Something that, that I notice here in this text you see that the miracle is never asked for. This woman never asked Jesus to do anything. Jairus came and got Jesus himself when he needed Jesus. Martha and Mary sent a messenger to go get Jesus when they needed Jesus. Jesus came to both situations in his own time. But right here, no, nobody in the morning crowd ever stopped Jesus and asked, can you help this woman? Nobody in the crowd following Jesus said, Lord, look, look at her. She's, she's weeping. The woman doesn't even expect any help because she's down in this low place. She's going to bury her son. Her head is buried down in her sorrow. She's bound by her grief. She, she is burdened by this situation. Her head is down so that she's not even looking up. All she can think about is, I've lost my son. All she can think about is what this terrible situation that I'm in right now. She's not even looking for Jesus. Somebody needs to pay attention. She's not even looking for Jesus. She's in her grief. She's in her sorrow. She is bound by her situation. She's got her head down in shame and sorrow. She doesn't see Jesus, but he sees her. The Bible says that because she's weeping, wailing, crying aloud, that he saw her and he had compassion on her. When you are down in your sorrow and you are beat down in burden, when your situation pulls you down and it's so bad you can't even look up, you may not see Jesus, but he sees you. You may think he doesn't see your situation, but he has his hand on everything. Man, when you're down in that low place and you're down there lost in your troubles and you're, you're bound by your situation, heads hanging down, hearts broken, spirit is broken, Jesus is there. You may not see him, but he's there. Some of us have been so far down that we couldn't even look up. I don't have to look so far back. Some of us have been so far down in our situation that we couldn't even pray for ourselves. You ever been there? We've been down so low, didn't even know how to pray. Kneel down and want to pray and just can't seem to get anything out. But, but when we're so far down that we can't look up, that's when Jesus 
shows up. Amen? Sometimes, sometimes we have to get in a low place to encounter Jesus. Ouch. I said, sometimes we have to get in a low place to encounter Jesus. How many have ever been on the mountain, things are good, and you want to have an encounter with Jesus? I mean, man, you're reading, you're studying, and you're having some fellowship. You're having some of that relationship, that vertical relationship the brother spoke of. And, 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 and you feel Jesus, you feel the presence. But it's kind of like those services when the Holy Spirit shows up in a church service and you don't ever forget those. Like back, y'all have heard me talking about it that night of the New England Patriots, and they were undefeated that year, and the Super Bowl was supposed to be a blowout, but they got beat anyway. Yeah, I don't remember what year it was. It was a lot of years ago. I do remember this. Everybody that stayed home and watched that ball game, they missed it because there was a service in here that night that I ain't forgot yet. Holy Spirit moved in this place, preaching never even got to preach, man. Spirit of God showed up. See, God decides when to show up. And, and when, you, when you miss those things, there, there's no going back and getting them. So the same thing is true in our life. We would love to be able to replicate that service. I would love to be able to right now just call in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He'd move in this place and do exactly what he did that night, be one of those kind of services. There are times, all I'm saying, there are times when we're on a mountaintop and we want to have that encounter with God and it feels like he just doesn't show up. But can I remind you of something? The only reason we're on the mountain, anybody listening? Raise your hand if you're listening. Only reason we're on the mountain is because he came into the last valley where we were and got us, and he brought us there and put us there to start with. Or we'd still be back in the valley where we came from. Sometimes we just have to get in a low enough place to have an encounter with Jesus. I'll tell you this, if you're in a low place, don't, don't lose hope. Don't, don't lose hope. Don't, don't give up. Don't lose your faith now. Just because you're going through something and you feel like you'll never smile again. Don't stop now because if you're down in a low place, I can promise you one thing. You're in a place where there's an opportunity to meet some great company. And his name is Jesus Christ because he is the lily of the valley. He is the one that walks down in the valley. He is the one that comes trying to bring, no, not trying to bring. He's the one who brings help to the helpless. He's the one who comes down and brings hope to the hopeless. He comes down in the low places looking to heal the brokenhearted. He comes into the low places to encounter those that are in need. Sometimes in the low places when we just can't pick our head up, Jesus comes that way just to, to lift our head for us. Amen. What's the Bible tell us? Weeping may endure for what? A night. But what? Yeah. The morning comes. Whenever it may be, it comes in God's time. The woman's. The woman's position here is, 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 a, is a dead son. Your, yours doesn't have to be that. Your, yours doesn't have to be even quite that traumatic. It doesn't have to be quite so life-shattering. You, your event, your low place can be anything that brings you down in life. Boy, life's got a lot of low places. It's not just loss of loved ones. It's not just 
hospitals and, and sicknesses. It's, it's financial things. It's, it's marriage issues. It's, it's family issues. It's, it's job issues. There's all kind of things that, that can bring us down. Sometimes we, we just can't see Jesus in our life until we get low enough to see him. Hmm. I don't know. Some of you may be there now. Based on, based on what I've seen and phone calls and texts I've gotten the last few days, there's a lot of people hurting right now. There's a lot of people in troubling situations. There, there's a lot of people scared right now. With COVID and all that's going on, and they look around and see what's going on, and they've not had it yet, or their family had not had it yet, or may, maybe they have, but the family has, they haven't. There, there are a lot of people, Christians, that are scared right now. Christian's not getting out. Christian's not going anywhere. I'm just telling you, there, there's a lot of things that, that's going on in, in our world right now. Some of us just need to have an encounter with Jesus. I feel like I need to pause for a minute. Some, 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 somebody may be lost and on your way to hell. I, I know we bumped into that a minute ago. But if you've never been saved, you're in an intersection right now. God's brought you to here for now. And for whatever reason, I'm not waiting until the end of the invitation. Your chance may be right now. God's brought you to here for a reason. If you've never been saved, you're at a crossroad. Your eternity hangs in the balance of which way you decide to go right now. You need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins and save your soul and be Lord of your life. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, now's the time. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Back to our text. The woman here in this text, husband dead, no other family, on the way to bury only son. She's at the lowest place of her life. And Jesus says, weep not. You imagine being in that spot. You imagine being that low in, in Jesus. You understand the Bible doesn't tell us any way that she knows Jesus at all, right? Maybe she's heard of Jesus. Maybe she hasn't. Maybe she's seen him before. Maybe she hasn't. I don't. Based on it, there's a really good chance that she may have never seen him before. I'm sure she's probably heard talk with the miracles and things that he's done. But I can tell you this, based on what we see here, she didn't go looking for Jesus. She didn't know enough about Jesus or have enough faith to go looking for him to come, come change her situation. She's in the middle of it, and Jesus comes up in that, and he says, don't cry. Boy, I wonder what she thought right about then. But here's the literal translation from the original text. It means stop crying because the help you need has just arrived. You don't have to cry anymore. The help you need has come down to where you are at the time when you need it. And a lot of people are at intersection today. A lot of people hurting. A lot of people need help. I don't know. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it, it, it's a friend of a family. There, there just seems to be so much trouble right now. 
Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? They're, they're, they're just surrounding one word, COVID, right now. Seems to be more than you even know how to pray for. But can I remind you, God's greater than COVID. Just like he's greater than cancer. Just like he's greater than heart problems. Greater than marriage problems. Greater than family problems. Greater than financial problems. Whatever you're carrying, whatever your burden is, God's greater. And I, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about something that, that, I, that I don't realize. Because it wasn't but just a handful of weeks ago. I was probably about as low as I ever remember being. I did not know if God was going to show up in our situation. Fear is real, Christian or not. When you're crying out and you, and you feel like God's not hearing you, that's real. But I know this. On that night at that lowest point, Jesus met me at the crossroads. When I absolutely had to have him, Jesus showed up. And he's no respecter of persons. He showed up time and time again in this book. He showed up time and time again in your life. Tell me this. Raise your hand if Jesus has ever shown up right when you had to have him. If he showed up in that valley, he'll show up in this valley. If he was enough then, he's enough now. Whatever it is, if you can't walk it, he'll carry you through it. He'll, he'll be there to, to do one of two things. He will either change your situation or he'll hold you by the hand and walk you through your situation. He'll either put the fire out, or he'll hold your hand and walk through the fire with you. But he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will not forget you. And he will not leave you there. He will get you out of your valley. He will get you out of the fire. And one day soon enough, he's coming to get us out of all this mess and take us to where he is so that forever we'll be with him in glory. Amen. Amen. Some of you this morning, I want to ask you to go ahead and stand where you are. Some of you this morning, you do what you need to do. You want to put a mask on. You want to come to the altar. You, you've got a burden. You, listen, as far as I'm concerned, the altar is kind of like the crossroad. I realize COVID, and this changed a lot of things in the prayer, and you're welcome to pray right where you are. But I just believe the altar is a, is a crossroad, man. I've, I've come to the altar too many times when I didn't have nowhere else to go, and Jesus met me there. If you got something this morning, and then maybe it's your family, or maybe it's somebody that you need to lift up on their behalf, feel free to use the altar as you will. You can certainly pray right where you are. Yes, sir. First responders, absolutely. Well, I know personally of two first responders that caught, that caught COVID dealing with COVID patients to get them in, and one of them was Abby, 
And Lord took her home. Vic. Yep. Yeah, by all means, first responders. And so. Yeah. Can I borrow your mic? Yes. Number 13. Y'all, I've got something to say. Um, God chose to take my son, as y'all all know, suddenly. And I was one of those that drug him to church. Um, and uh, I gave me and, my, and Sam gave him to the Lord before he was ever born. And we named him, two strong names of the Bible. Joshua and David and he was a strong young man and he had a smile that would win you over he loved everyone he would help you and he was good hearted he had the gift of words and he wrote poetry that would just warm your heart he had the gift of drawing and he could draw pictures in anything the beautiful pictures and he could also draw that ugly pictures that would show you what it was like to live inside his heart and inside his head and he had the gift of growing anything he could take a dead, dead stick and make it grow but he also had the burden of addiction and addiction is real and it's a disease and it will destroy families and it destroys lives my son went to prison the first time at 17. And for 20 years, he kept the recidivism rate in Georgia up. And I prayed for 20 years for God to take that burden away from him, the addiction. And he prayed for the burden to go away for 20 years. He did get walked to the altar at 11. And he was in and out. Did I know? I didn't. Families that are, have children or loved ones that are addiction, it's a hard, hard love that you have to have. Addiction is hard on families. It's hard on the person that's addicted. But you have to stand that fight. You have to fight it. You have to depend on God. My son swore he would never go back to prison again and that he was going to be there for his children, for his wife, and for us. And he told everybody he was a mama's boy. And he loved his mama. He stole from us. He did everything that addiction causes you to do. And he did it. But I love my son. God took him from us on that, on that Monday. And I didn't know when I've cried and cried and cried. But since then... I said, God, where is he? Was he truly saved? Then since then we found out. And God reveals things to you. For the first time ever, Sam and I and the kids left on that Wednesday before he died. And we went on a trip to the beach. We'd never done it before. And we went for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to the beach. That Wednesday, 
my oldest grandsons from my older son. He's 21, and they were moving out of their home, out of my son's home, and they were going to college. And he's he is studying to be a minister, and he's going to be a minister. So he was getting his mother and him were shopping in Carrollton at a bargain town, and there was a box on the shelf. And he had to have that box. It was a white box. It wasn't marked. It had no labels on it or anything. And he climbed to the top and he said, I need that box. And he got the box. Inside the box was a cremation urn. And his mom says, I'm not buying that. He said, I've got to have it. She said, no. He said, I've got to have it. So he toted it through the store. And when they got ready to leave, she says, I'm not buying it. He said, I'll buy it myself. He bought it. We've never had anyone in our family cremated, but he bought it. And he took it to his new apartment in Carrollton where he's going to college. On that Thursday, we were still at the beach. Josh was at our house by himself. Jessica was in her home in Alabama. She called him and he told her that he was proud of her. He loved her and she was an inspiration to him, but he couldn't talk to her. He was crying and very upset, and he told her that him and God had to have some serious conversations, and she could, he couldn't talk to her. He had to go, that him and God were talking, and he was very upset and crying, and for a couple of hours, she tried to call him back, and he kept telling her that him and God was still talking. They had to work some things out, and that he loved her, but him and God were talking. That Friday we came home and they told us about them having going to have a baby. That Monday he was dead. That cremation urn was bought for him to be cremated in. Why? I don't know. But Hunter called and told us on that following Wednesday, he told his mom to tell us that he had the urn. And she said, no, they've already bought one. And he said, no, they haven't call grandma and tell her and she called and called Jessica and Jessica said no we hadn't bought one yet and he said I told you this is for Uncle Josh how did he know that's God y'all that's God we got the urn and the name of the urn is wandering nature my son's favorite thing was nature Another thing about it is, it's purple. You can't buy it in anything but black and gold. It can't be bought. So it was a fluke is the reason it was in. Who buys an urn in a bargain town? So God was in all of this all along. So that shows me and gives me comfort to know God's hand is in everything. Addiction is an awful, awful disease. My son, that was my son's burden to bear. But my burden was loving my son in his burden. And God put me in, I've been in nursing for 40 years. My burden every day is loving these convicts inside these jails and prisons that's there with their burdens of addiction, mental illness, whatever it is that are our throwaways in society that is in there. So families, if you have someone that's got mental illness or addiction, don't turn your backs. Love them in their, in their burdens.
time, that's all I got to say. God picks us up in our lowest point. We have to love them in their lowest points too. Miss Kathy, Miss Kathy, can I ask you something? Miss Kathy, can I ask you something? I, right, I'm, I'm right here. I'm, I had moved. I, I want to ask you something. You told me that Josh was saved at 11. I think it was Sunnyside. You just said that you asked God to tell you where he is, to show you something. Heaven or hell, I assume that's your question. You asked God to tell you where he is. Is that what you just said? You also just said this, something that I didn't know. You said that urns only come in black and gold. That particular one only comes in black and gold. Do you know what purple is? It's royalty. I believe it's an answer to your question. Yeah. God's a very personal God. You weren't here that week. Your family was dealing with some stuff. I told this church that my first Sunday back that God showed up that night when I said thank you. And he told me you're welcome. God's a very personal God. He's a personal God for you. He's a personal God in your storm. He's a personal God in your trial. He's a personal God in your situation, and he cares. He's carried this family through that storm and another one soon to follow right behind it. They're still walking through a valley. It ain't stopped, but he's still with you. Thank you, Miss Kathy. Anybody need to share anything this morning for these guys sing? Just recently, I have lost my cousin and her dad two days later, both to COVID. Speaking of funeral, the one that you said that you ran into, that was hers. They were going to try to do her dad's on the same day. But the only reason is my uncle is a retired Marine with a purple heart. And with it being 9-11, my aunt first losing to her daughter her only daughter, then losing her world as her husband. You just know that God has love and compassion for people that have seen weird and nasty things, being one a retired Marine and a detective for the Lagrange Police Department. Miss Debbie has worked with my uncle, and I've talked to my mom. Yes, my uncle was saved, and I found out that my cousin was saved. But breaking down when when she was singing, let me tell you about my God. My wife knows. I told her when I when I watched the video, Valerie told us, you need to watch the video. If y'all have not watched Anna Wilson's song, let me tell you about my God, watch it. It is a very touching song. She did it in remembrance to her brother but listening to that yes I broke down crying but it is a a touching song that not just opens your mind to what God can do and what Jesus did to save us from our our cruel world that we live in 
being the, the, like I tell everybody I know, I'm the peacekeeper in my family out of three boys. The older one is a retired army. The other, most of y'all know my middle brother because either y'all went to school with her like Wendy and Warren. Uh, Bobby, he went to school with Irvin. So did Candy. Irvin is a loving person. He's very hard-headed, but he's a loving person. But I know all my brothers love God and they are saved. Me, on the other hand, I do have a personal relationship with God and I know it. And it was for her, it was for my wife that actually got me going back to church. Like you said, you were addicted to drugs. <laughs> my parents drugged me to church. Sunnyside, yes, I went there. But my first church I went to was Friendship Baptist Church and Henry Jones was the pastor. Man, I always called me shorty because of how tall I am. But knowing that God can work miracles in a, in a broken vessel, yes, that is true. But the hardest part is knowing that my aunt, I've talked to her. She said that her world is gone. When you're talking about Dallas, that's where she's at. And I, I was just going to ask, would y'all could just, just pray for that family? pray for me because I've had a distant relationship with my uncle because of things that happened in the past and I put I put all that back I still talk to him but not seeing him face to face and talking to him and with COVID not being able to tell him goodbye that is the hardest thing people this thing is serious one thing that's more serious than this is God's love for us. If you do not have a personal relationship with God, I beg you, please come down to this altar and give your life over. There is nothing that people can say or do. It is what God and Jesus has done that gives you that relationship.
When I've just gone through the motions, I'm sorry. When I just sing another song, will take me back to where it started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry. When I've come with my agenda, I'm sorry. I forgot that you're enough.
about now? My bad. Guess I've been on the whole time. Never close an altar. I'm not going to start now. Some of you felt like you were pushing time. You got back out. You can come right on back. I'm going to ask you just that chorus one more time and tell you why. I said a while ago, you don't get to decide when the Holy Spirit shows up. You don't get to decide when he moves in a building like this. You don't get to decide when he's going to show up and give people help. But he's here now. They're going to sing this one more time. I'm just going to tell you this. Don't carry a burden home. It's not yours to carry. Don't walk home in a valley without coming down to the crossroad and meeting him where you're at. God's faithful. One more course on this song. If you got anything you need to leave here, anything you need to talk to him about, anything you need to bring to him. One more course, brother. Father, that the God of the mountain is still the God in the valley. Thank you, God, there's not a valley so low that you won't come down after us, that you won't reach down and you won't come get us. Thank you, Father, there's, there's not a situation too big that you can't fix. There's not a situation too small that you don't care if we'll take time to ask, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for hearing prayer, God. Thank you for answering prayer. God, I know sometimes it seems like prayers weren't answered. We wanted to see the sick healed, and you choose to do it another way, God. Lord, I pray you just continue to help us, Father. Help us in our faith. Help us to grow stronger. God, I understand even the danger of that prayer in order for our faith to increase. We have to go through something harder than we've ever been through, God. Faith doesn't increase by going through the same storm. God, I pray you would help us to increase our faith, God, and to hold on that this world might see you in us, God. I pray you'd increase our faith in the light that's in us. Lord, we're in a dark world right now that's lost and people dying and going to hell, Lord. Lord, 
people are lost in their hopelessness right now, but it's without reason, God, there is hope. I pray you'd help us to show the world that his name is Jesus Christ. I pray you'd make us usable vessels. I pray you'd use us here as Faith Baptist Church as a light. I pray you take each individual present, everybody on live stream, everybody, Lord, that is still there, Father. I pray you touch each one, anoint each one, and help us, God, to be a usable vessel in your hand. That people might see the light of Christ in us. You've been good to us, God. Through all the storms and all the valleys and all the trials, you've been good to us. We just want to tell you thank you, Lord. We just want to be caught up in your presence. Thank you for for sending your sweet, precious Holy Spirit into this place. Thank you for the presence here, God. We love you and praise you in the precious, sweet, holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.